Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Valent Podcast for 2024. I'm Mark Wilkins, Technology and Training Director at Valent. Today, we'll be talking about business planning. It's a new year and a new start. So how can installer businesses approach the year ahead on the front foot? Joining me today is Lee Tilbury, Managing Director of Aldershot-based Nita Heat. How are you, Lee? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. Great that you can join us. Tell us a little bit more about your business, just to set the scene. Local heating company uh, in Aldershot, as you said, and uh, we cover a range of of different aspects of of the heating industry, really, domestic and commercial, gas, uh, renewable uh, installations and maintenance. A little bit of private one-off, social housing, that sort of thing, new build as well? A little bit of both for the first two. We we don't do a lot of new build, um, we do self-builds, but generally it's it's our own domestic customer base and then um, social housing as well. Okay, you say uh, renewable, so that's heat pumps and solar, solar PV, any other renewable technologies? Mainly heat pumps right now, solar PV is uh, our next step, so uh, yeah, we're really embracing the renewable side of things. Okay, future-proofing the business. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously based in, in Aldershot, British Army are, are based down there, have you any links with the uh, with the armed forces, any any service contracts with the uh, with the housing down there? We have done in the past, I'm ex-military and um, we've got a strong affiliation with the military. We like to work closely with careers transition partnership which help the service leavers that are leaving the army to retrain and adjust into civilian life so we love supporting those guys that come out and women that come out and do that so we um yeah we train with those and i think we've trained 20 engineers now into the uh, gas industry from uh, from from the army We'll park that one there for the moment, but I think there's a separate podcast in, in that subject alone as to how we can uh, help with Restart, help um, military leavers and, and other forms of, of reskilling and training. So I think we might well get you back onto the podcast in future for, for that topic specifically. Right, we're now in the depths of winter and right in the thick of the heating season, the busiest part of the year for, uh, for installer businesses. How do you cope as a business with increased workload and increased customer demand? Most people would obviously start off by saying, you know, we've got to increase our workload or we've got to you know, get subcontractors. We tend to work internally first. It's it's managing staff stress levels, you know, managing expectations and keeping staff we have happy, making sure that they're not going to be overstretched, overworked. And that's that's our main focus to start off with. You know, it's weathering the storm almost. You've got the, um, the workforce, you've got your policies and processes in place. Now it's time to just harness and use that rather than overstretch. If you do that, then you're going to fall. How how many staff do you have? Uh, 20 in total. Is Um, there a split between installation and service or are they all just generalists? I I like generalist engineers. You do find that engineers tend to find their way. They're either a little bit more install orientated or they're, you know, service and maintenance orientated. But generally, I like them to be all-rounders. But yet we do have a split. You've obviously taken the step with 20, 20 year sort of employees to go from one man band to a well, reasonable sized business, to be fair. What sort of went through your mind when you were doing that? And was there a bit of a fear factor to is the work going to be coming through? How do I manage this? Where do I break even? And when does it start to make sense to take more and more people on? It's a tough jump. And it's pretty much the, you know, the main question that I get asked all the time. First and foremost, you've got to be a leader you've got to have qualities that people want to follow it's very easy to promise the world to someone and say you know come and work for my company but not really deliver anything for them finding the right people is tough the amount of times that i hear people say i've taken on an apprentice and i put so much time into them then they just left 
once you get burnt like that, it's very difficult to go back. But if you can find the right people to help you grow, then that's the first starting point. That, that's obviously the, the biggest objection I ever hear to taking apprentices on. I'm going to train them. They're going to leave. They're going to become my competitor. Is there a, a, a trick or a, a skill to keeping them loyal to, to your business and keeping them with you? It's being honest and looking after them, putting them first before the business at times, you know. That's the main thing. It's, it's creating that trust and loyalty. And once you see that in them, you know, you can help them through their bad times and the bad times in the industry, and then they'll stay loyal with you when it gets to the, uh, to the good times. And you take on experienced installers and apprentices as well. Is, is there, a, again, a sort of split in the, in the numbers or would you normally take on regular experienced installer? I've always preferred to, to invest in the person as opposed to investing in the qualifications or, or the experience. You, you know, you can't, you can't exchange experience for anything else. But if you get the right person, you can install that into experience into them, obviously, and, and the qualifications you know, will come. I would much rather, you know, invest in the person. You'll get the right person at the end of it. And, and you know, that's how it works for us. So that's, that's irrespective of whether apprentice and new to the industry or born mature and, and existing in the industry, the right person is the right person for you. I think so. I think so. I think everyone can be trained into this. Do you use subcontractors as well to balance your workload, particularly in the winter when you've got peaks of, of workload? We do. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Do you have processes to put in place that you maintain the, the level and quality of work that, that is the same as your own direct employees are, are performing to? Absolutely, yeah. We do select our subcontractors quite carefully. We're strict as a company on quality. Um, so the, the subcontractors have to sit in with those values. We tend to try not to bring subcontractors on at the time that we need them because you can make rash decisions you can bring contractors on and say do you know they'll do for now because i need them we really try not to do that so we'll always with throughout the summer or the, the, the quieter periods we'll always try and build that up and as you said make sure that they're in line with with, with the quality that that we've got in there starting to sort of feel there's a one word so far that's coming out which is planning and, and maybe that goes back to the military um, background as well about about the planning and, and the forward thought. Christmas, time for families, staff will want holidays. Do you shut down over Christmas or do you maintain a minimum level of service? Do, do you give the time off to staff? We used to shut down at Christmas. I used to love doing that. It was great for everyone just to say, you know, that's it, let's close. Two weeks later, we'll see you all back. It wasn't very good. It wasn't. It wasn't great for the company and it wasn't great for morale and it wasn't great to start the new year to do that and also it wasn't good for our clients you know they, what do you mean you're closing down for two weeks you know, who we're going to use what we're going to do uh, for us to just turn around and say you know i don't know but um, we'll see when we get back it just wasn't right so we didn't do that for long we also found that coming back after a christmas break morale was lower when we had a big break but when we stayed open and we just had the general breaks off and we stayed in that continuous flow of work the morale was there and when they came back after new year they were they were still good to go they hit the ground running and actually we got way more productivity out of staying open over christmas that's interesting i mean i, I sort of tend to, to take a week's holiday and a normal company shutdown at, at christmas so i'm usually off for two weeks or so when i come back totally refreshed totally focused and but that's a personal thing how does the weather affect things the weather always affects things in our industry, isn't it? You know, as soon as the cold snap comes, all of a sudden, everyone's busy. You know, the, the demand goes up. The weather's always going to affect things. But for me, it's not how it affects our workload. It's how it affects the workforce. 
you can't do as many jobs getting around you know you're gonna have accidents in vans as, as we're getting into frosty weather it's the effects that the weather has on the workforce as opposed to sales or delivery of, of, of what we have in the uh, pipeline obviously we're in the winter we have the usual frost and snow and, and ice which is all the great things that uh, that a heating engineer would would love over the autumn and over the, the last couple of years, we have seen some changing weather patterns. Are you seeing some changes in, in the call-outs? Are you seeing wind damage to vertical flues and, and things like that? Is, is there any change in the, the, the outside work that you're coming across? I think the frozen condenses have got better. And that was definitely a big problem um, for a lot of customers. So I would say that the industry has obviously tightened up on that a little bit and maybe we're doing a better job. So that's really good. The strange thing is our company mindset has changed a little bit. We've decided to launch like care plans. We were very much in the business of um, we would want to go out to a frozen condensate pipe, whereas now we're in the business of we don't want to have to go out. We're on a care plan. We need to try and maintain, manage that. You know what I mean? So it's um, so our mindset's changed a lot. We're, we're actually educating customers now on how they can get out of trouble, how they can keep their heating going as opposed to keeping it a secret so we get to go out and do a call out. You do a bit of renewable work, a bit of heat pump work, a lot of gas work. Is there a difference at this time of year between your approach to, to either? Do you balance your renewable work in the summer and focus on the, the gas unblocking and freezing or the gas service and repair this time of year? Yes, we do. I don't even think that it's really something that we... That we plan. I mean, at the end of the day, when we go out and do our um, our heat pump uh, surveys or we sell heat pumps, we don't really want to be doing those heat pump changes just in the height of the winter or just before the winter. We, we tend to want to do those afterwards, you know, So because um, like you say, we want to keep that time spare, you know, for our existing customers that need us. So to, to clog up with installs for heat pumps. But you do have people that want to get those savings straight away. So they do want to get them in, but we have to manage expectations. How do you manage your expectation on, on that? It's a difficult one, really. And it has to come down to the customer. It has to be customer-centric. They've got to know what they need. You know, If they don't think that they're going to get through the season with the boiler that they've got, then obviously we've, we've got to do that work. But if they've got a boiler that's working, it's fine right now. Why take the risk through the winter and also give them you know, like a real cold spell without heating for a, for a period of time. So so that's how we manage expectations. Gas boilers have always been a distress replacement breakdown. It fails, you replace it. They're on the shelf in the merchants. Your capacity is usually the, the constraining point. With a heat pump, there's a lot of other things that you need to do. You've got to do the room by room, heat loss calculations. You may need to go to planning. You may need to let the, uh, the DNO know and, and increase the electricity supply. Are you seeing a change in mindset from from customers moving more towards a planned replacement of either a boiler or a heat pump or do you only really see that with the uh with the heat pump the gas industry and the boiler industry is reactive isn't it nobody really saves for it it's very rare and it's not something that people want to spend their money on it's not something they can show off you know so it's a reactive industry um, with heat pumps it's not it's a complete opposite we're actually finding that customers are willing to wait a year before they get their heat pumps installed, they'll be planning for the next year ahead. So, so they're definitely more proactive on the on the heat pump side, but still, we've got that vast part of the population that's reactive and waiting until it fails. Hugely, but the gas industry's got better in that sense because of the warranty increase. So, ten year warranty now. Why wait? Get the the benefits out of a new boiler straight away. Don't wait for the other one to break down. That helps. We're coming up to the latter part of January. 
what are you starting to think about now planning for the year ahead what what sort of actions are you taking what ideas are you forming marketing strategies are always high on the list we don't want to be marketing for now we want to be marketing for later and um, that's important to us also just harnessing our existing customers and not trying to impress new customers you can fail both if you do that so it's more about looking after the loyal customers that you already have and managing their expectations i think it's always very interesting to look at smaller businesses say 20 20 employees against the uh, the, the larger business and as you know we're sort of 16000 employees and and our planning processes uh, do go on we follow similar sort of ideas planning for the year ahead planning in, in quarters and the like but um, I think we're often like uh, turning the Queen Mary from 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 that point of view. So you're, I think, a little bit more agile than than we are. But we'll follow the same budget planning, marketing campaigns, product roadmaps, and and the like. So both big business and small business go through these these planning cycles. Yeah, definitely. And we look, we follow suit with that. You know, if we see what Valent are doing, we'll jump on the tail end of that and say, okay, well, there's a big marketing campaign coming in from Valent. You know, they're really pushing the boilers or they're really pushing renewables. And, and that's what we'll, uh, you know, we'll help try and focus on too. Now, Lee, as an experienced managing director, do you have any advice for installers about sorting their tax returns, if not for this year, then for the future years? So being organised and being aware of deadlines is is key, isn't it? You know, you don't want to be getting fines or falling behind on your payments, you know, we you, we hear it all the time, don't we, that people don't have their tax money ready or they just haven't been prepared um, with, with knowing what it is that they, that they put through that year and then throw a load of stuff through and then get caught in, a, in the VAT trap, realise that, oh, actually, I'm supposed to be VAT registered. That's not a, a glamorous thing. I, I, I would be avoiding that for as long as possible, becoming VAT registered as a sole trader. And so we have to make that jump. And sometimes that can blindside people if they haven't been putting their invoices into their bookkeepers or accountants for them to see what it is that they've actually been been pulling in. I would say embrace technology. You know, Zero and QuickBooks have been fantastic, you know, for the industry. Being able to take pictures of receipts on the fly, put them into your, your, um, your bookkeeping software, whatever you use, that's definitely good to do. Understanding your tax deductions and what it is that you're able to claim back is so many people that don't understand what it is that they're allowed to claim for, what it is they're allowed to have tax breaks on. It's really important because there's a, a whole array of things that do constitute to business use that you could be putting through and getting tax breaks on. So it's definitely worth looking into that. But but one of the biggest things that I always hear is sole traders or companies saying that they, they've got money to spend because they want to reduce their tax bill. It's a really, really crazy concept. Like, Spend it if you need it, but don't spend it because you want to reduce your tax bill. You're only going to reduce 20% of it. So I would definitely say um, be aware of that. Do do other members of the family work in the business? I mean, is your wife your bookkeeper, for instance? We're a family-run business, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, my wife, Sarah, is one of the directors in the company, and my mum does bookkeeping and finance administration. Our son is an engineer in the company, a domestic and commercial trained engineer. He's 22 now and um, and also doing renewables. And my daughter does the uh, office cleaning on weekends when she gets time. So, yeah, we're, we're a family-run company. You, you were telling me earlier on about your, your daughter as a, as a younger lady um, was a bit of a podcaster. So this is not the first time you've been uh, you've been uh, on a podcast, is it? <laughs> this one's pretty light compared to her one. She would put me under the microscope. But, yeah, she's, uh, she thought it was quite funny today that I was coming to do a podcast, to be fair. Now, we have politically a very 
dynamic situation at the moment. We have a government that's been in place for 13 years, but they seem to be changing their mind on various things quite uh, quite frequently. 20th of September, Rishi Sunak uh, made a few announcements which he extended the life of off-grid LPG and oil gas boilers. That that may not necessarily affect you so much down in, in Aldershot, but um, it did for a decent part of the country. And he confirmed the, the boiler phase-out date at 2035. We've got things like future home standard coming through on the on the new build side. Are there any other legislation changes that you're keeping an eye on from your business point of view? More along the line of MCS and what the compliance uh, needs for us is something that we concentrate on quite heavily. It's quality management systems and making sure that we're where we need to be in terms of our compliance. That's something that we tend to focus on more than anything else. The future home standards um, which is coming in in 2025, which is which is going to be compulsory. I, it couldn't come sooner, if, if I'm honest with you. I don't know why we're not bringing that in much sooner, especially for new builds, self-builds. You know, why aren't we doing that right now? MCS, the Microgeneration Certification Scheme. It's the certification scheme that installers need to be certified to if they want to offer their customers the boiler upgrade scheme grant funding of £7,500 for a heat pump. There was a consultation recently about uh, changes to to the requirements for, for MCS. We understand that's going to come through at some point in the next six to, to, to eight months. We tend to look at our quality management system and, and how to develop that, how to make sure that that's smooth. And I, I believe that the new MCS requirements are going to be more heavy on that as opposed to back office paperwork. It's, you know, how we're quality managing our jobs Last year, the government increased the level of funding for the Boiler Upgrade Scheme, or, or BUS. It moved from £5,000 to 7500 towards a heat pump installation. As a business, are you seeing increasing interest from, from heat pumps that has come on the back of that increase, or has the increase been ramping up before? We haven't noticed as big of a spike as I thought we would, because there was a big spike with the initial grant for £5,000. There was a good spike on that. And when the announcement was to increase to £7,500, we really thought that it was going to be a big a big uplift on that, and there wasn't. But actually, what I noticed is that we get less tyre kickers now. I know that Valent have been working hard on filtering out eligibility of, of uh, customers and you know the seriousness of customers, and, and that's, that's a good thing because the, the industry was wasting a lot of time and, and you know... Uh, small businesses like ours were we spend a lot of time on money just educating people which is fine we're good to do it but we do have to earn money as well so that's what we sort of th- found but i think that there will be a bigger spike soon but i, d- I haven't noticed it as much Another thing installers may be thinking about is attending one of the trade shows like FEX. We have the installer show in, in June at the at the NEC. FEX is a, is the regional show. I think Chelsea is, is probably the latter part of, of the year. Uh, are you planning to go to shows in, in 24, Lee? Yep, definitely. We do FEX every year. We always go to the uh, to the Chelsea exhibition. It's great, you know, meeting other installers, other companies, and um, and seeing the new products. We've just recently done the uh, home building and renovations show, which was great. Actually, it's it's nice to get in front of the end user, and uh, and just you know see what they need, see what they're thinking about this, educate people onto um, you know onto a better solution. Interesting. So you attend FEX and, and presumably installer as a, as a visitor, but the home building renovating show as, a, as an exhibitor, why the change of tack there? I think there's about 8,500 people that went to that show over the weekend, uh, maybe more actually. 
and I'd say 75% of them had live projects. And it's it's great to be in front of those people and say, you know, what are you doing for your heating? What are you doing for your hot water? And, um, and, and hearing all the different types of heating systems or hot water systems that, that they're putting in and, and, you know, and then giving some advice. And, yeah, that was great. You can't really beat being straight in front of the end user there. The Fully Charged Show, I think we did it last year for the first time, and it, it was a really, really good show. You ever been? I haven't been, but we got a lot of leads from that, and that was good, actually, and open my eyes, so I'm, I'm going to go to that. It, it's a good show to, to have on, because obviously just purely renewables, uh, purely electrical-based, um, it sounds like a good one. I'm looking forward to that. So planning for adapting to customers' queries and demands over the longer term. What sort of things are your customers asking you for? Are you getting more requests for, for low carbon solutions or for better insulation or smart controls? Or is it a mix of everything? Or, you know, Lee, tell me what I need to do and a, a sort of blank sheet of paper approach. Probably the latter, but it's a real mix. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem like anyone, it, it, that any of those are really leading. There's still a lot of caution involved in renewable energy obviously and i get i get quite a lot of people that want to go over hybrid model then i say well I'll keep my boiler i'll get a heat pump and and i'm like you just want to have one foot on that rock and one foot on that rock we get that a lot and once again i enjoy it you know trying to educate people that why why do you need it you know we're, we're telling you that this will work it's not we're not hoping this will work we're not telling we're not saying oh we'll fit it and see what happens we do the maths we do the science we know it's going to work. You won't need that boiler. That's a, a great point to make. Consumer confidence is, is always something that, uh, that that we have to bear in mind. And I think really that's why we focus on the on the proudly supporting installer campaign that, that we run, finding ways that we can, can get closer to our installer customers to help you out, be that training or be that with uh, finance offers, uh, be it with advertising lead generation. So there's lots of things that we try and do to help you help your customers improve and increase their customer confidence. Lee, you work across boilers, you work across heat pumps. What's your favourite Valent product? My favourite Valent product is the Aerofoam Plus. I think it's a great bit of kit. We love installing it and, um, and, and we can't see ourselves moving away from that at all. But I would say our most installed bit of equipment is, is the um, EcoFit Pure still. Oh, we're fitting a load of those and they just sell really well, really easy, great boilers to install. So I had to plug two products there. I couldn't just go with one. Well, I, could, I could dedicate the whole podcast to you uh, plugging the product, so that's, <laughs> that's not a problem. And again, I think there's an idea for another podcast sometime, aluminium versus stainless steel on the heat exchanges. Definitely, yeah, it's a huge one for us. You know, water softeners, when they come into play, it, it, can, um, it can cause some problems, so we do need to, uh, we need to be mindful of that. Excellent. We've reached the end of the discussion, and to sum up, what key piece of business planning advice would you give to installers as a takeaway from today for them? Something that I believe in quite heavily is organisation and management software. If you can do something like that and get yourself organised, it really will push you to the next level. That will help you cope demand, it will help you cope scale, and it will help you forecast. Imagine your process, times it by 10, and would it work? That's the real question. If the answer is no, then don't waste any more time on it build something there. Great. Well, that's all we have time for today on the podcast. Lee, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, and quite eye-opening as well from uh, from the discussion. Time for a gratuitous plug. Tell us a little bit more about your company again and how do we find you? Uh, so the company's Need to Heat. 
Uh, we're based in Hampshire uh, around Aldershot. Just hit our first 200 five-star Google reviews, which we were really chuffed with the other day. We've been working really hard on that last few months. Thank you, Lee. Before we go, just a quick reminder to visit Valence In The Know online hub for more great content for installers. See the link in the show notes. Please also rate, review and share this episode and follow or subscribe to the show. And if you have any thoughts about what you would like to cover in future episodes, please get in touch with the Valent team on social media or via email. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you for listening. I'm Mark Wilkins. This is the Valent Podcast. Goodbye for now. Hold up. 